NHL fantasy. Hey there, hi there, ho there. We're back again. Top Shelf Fantasy, Top Shelf Podcast, number 258. Today's going to be a quick one. We just have the NFC East Division Preview coming your way. Uh, Again, this is our 258th podcast. Today is Friday, August 11th. I just got finished doing the NFC North Preview, and I'm hopping right back in for the NFC East. It's just me, Corey, by myself, all by my lonesome, waiting for Scotty to get back from Storyland. Waiting for Tom and Craig. I don't know what I'm waiting for. I didn't even ask them. I just hopped on the podcast, did it myself. Sorry, guys. Um, hopping right in. We're going to do the NFC East. We'll do it the same order we've been doing the rest of them. Worst team to best team. And uh, that means we're going to start with the Washington Commanders here. They went 8-8-1 eight, eight and one in 2022, which is somehow an improvement from their 2021 season at 7-10. and 10. Uh, managed to be fifth in offensive touches. However, with those touches, they did absolutely nothing. They were 24th in points scored, 20th in yards from scrimmage, 22nd in passing, and 12th in rushing. So I guess their rushing wasn't awful. Um, And then their defense remains elite, as it seems to almost every single season. Seventh in points against, fourth in defensive yards allowed, fourth in passing yards allowed, and 11th in rushing yards allowed against. Um, Vacated targets and vacated rushing attempts are not much for this team. They are 58 targets and 50 rushing attempts respectively. They have uh, Ron Rivera returning as head coach and Eric Bieniemy coming over from KC for his first season with the team as offensive coordinator. Uh, to me, this is the, that's one of the most interesting parts. And this is why we do the division previews, right? Is to kind of cover all of our bases. And if something like that is in there, we notice it. So Eric Bieniemy comes from one of the most creative offenses, comes off of the Andy Reid coaching tree and branches out on his own. Not only, I guess not, his, not on his own, but Ron Rivera is a defensive guy more than he is offense. So he's going to let Eric Bieniemy do what he wants on offense, um, and this should, in theory, create some some creativity in the offense and in an offense that we've seen that has talent. They just haven't really done much with it over the last couple of years, right? And part of that's the limitations that they've had at quarterback. It's been Taylor Heineke, Carson Wentz, Sam Howell, and this year it, it might very well be Sam Howell's job to lose at quarterback and if uh eric Bannamy decides he likes him it, it might be full steam ahead so um if sam howell's there he has uh jacoby Brissett behind him i guess you could argue that Brissett could push for uh for reps just just based on what he showed us last season in cleveland he's definitely a more than capable quarterback in the nfl albeit somewhat of a game manager. Um, I know people use that as like a pejorative term, but he's a game manager. He's not good. He wins games in the NFL, which means that teams see that value. He's reliable. He's steady. And while he may not be the most flashy fantasy option, I hate to break it to you guys, NFL coaches, teams, owners, GMs do not care about us playing fantasy. They just want to win games. So uh, if Sam Howell struggles, I would, almost guarantee that Jacoby Brissett ends up as the quarterback sooner rather than later. Uh, and even on, on the other side of that coin, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jacoby Brissett be the quarterback on, on day one, if he beats mountain camp. Now, Sam Howell has a very limited um, NFL resume, only 11 completions on 19 attempts in one game uh, last year, so that's 57.89%, so we call it 58% completion percentage, 169 yards, one touchdown, one pick. That's 
really too small of a sample size to to tell you if he's good, bad, or indifferent. Um, it, it's really going to boil down to this year to see what he can do. Now, this team is largely intact from a season ago. Uh, they are losing Cam Sims at wide receiver, but he only saw 18 targets, so that's not major. J.D. McKissick is no longer with the team. He saw 40 targets out of the backfield last year before suffering another neck injury. Um, the guy just he can't stay healthy. I know he's been taking uh meetings with teams and, and and doing some workouts, but I don't think that he ends up in the NFL this season, if I'm being quite honest. Uh, they also lose Taylor Heineke, he's going over to Atlanta. Uh, Carson Wentz is still currently a free agent, he's unsigned by any team, so we'll see what happens there. Um, and then for people they brought in, I already mentioned Brissett. They drafted the rookie Chris Rodriguez, the running back in the sixth round, they brought in a couple offensive linemen as well. So more or less, they were expecting the team they had last year to be better this year, to make steps in the right direction, to grow, to be um, more competitive. They had Brian Robinson, who was highly touted, uh, then get shot in the leg and then never really turned into much. And you had Antonio Gibson, who everybody was all ready to you know, close the book on before the season started. And he shows up and he posts, you know, a, a, I'd say more than a halfway decent season. He was only RB 31. Played 15 games, 150 rushing attempts, 546 yards, three touchdowns on the ground. But he added 58 uh, targets and 46 catches for another couple touchdowns there as well. Um, one of the more interesting guys, too, that you have is Curtis Samuel, who continues to do it all. 92 targets, but also 38 rush attempts. So if he's going to be a jack of all trades and you have a guy like Eric Bianami coming in, I'm very excited to see what a guy like that can do with a coach like that, because that's going to be one of the more dynamic pieces he's, he's had uh, to, to operate with out of the backfield. I mean, he's a guy that really can do everything. So if Curtis Samuel can get even more involved than we've seen him, there's no reason to think he couldn't end as a very valuable flex play that you can grab late in drafts. Um, beyond that, it, it's going to be the Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson show. Those are your big dogs at wide receiver. You've got Terry McLaurin with 120 targets and 77 catches. Dotson only played 12 games, but 61 targets and 35 catches. You, you know, you'd like to see him improve that catch rate a bit. That's only uh 57-ish percent, but he did manage to have seven touchdowns last year with a wide receiver 50 finish, I believe. So yeah, wide receiver 50. Um, you've also got Deami Brown still floating around somehow. I don't know what value he brings to the team, but he's he's still on it. Uh Logan Thomas is back again. He kind of started the season slow, he's still coming back from injury. Right now, he's actually still listed as questionable, even in camp. So uh, keep an eye on his his injury status. But he still commanded 61 targets last year out of the tight end position. So if he can take those 61 targets and turn into a little bit more yardage or maybe a couple scores this year, he could still have value at the tight end position. So um, this, this Washington Commanders team is one to keep your eye on. I wouldn't say they're loaded with guys you should be drafting. I think you have your obvious guys like Terry McLaurin and and – Jahan Dotson, but beyond that, I'd be hesitant on the rest of them. Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson probably uh, end up splitting time again this year. It's going to be tough to determine which one's the one to go for. Uh, Curtis Samuel is a guy who I would definitely like to take if he falls to me at the right spot. Um, I, I would certainly wouldn't reach on, reach on him. There's just not a ton of upside, and there's probably – let's put it this way. He has a very steady ceiling that will not exceed a wide receiver two. And then his floor is like wide receiver 5 million. So when you look at it that way, it kind of becomes 
harder to to advise you to go out and, and reach on um a guy like Curtis Samuel, even if I personally like him. Uh it's just it sometimes it's not as not advisable, right? Um but yeah, I think the the commander, I keep wanting to call him the Redskins. I can't help myself, but I think the team as a whole looks a lot like it did last year. You know, they're banking on the enemy getting more out of them than they did the previous season. Whether that happens, I guess I can only tell you remains to be seen. Um, I'm trying to look up Curtis Samuel's ADP as we speak right now. And it's uh, currently wide receiver 81, 243rd off the board. So uh, that's almost like math. That's like undrafted territory. So if he's sitting out around there in the last round, I would be more than happy to take him. I mean, he's after guys like Rashid Shahid, Alec Pierce, KJ Osborne are all listed. Zay Jones is well ahead of him at 65. Uh, Michael Gallup's at 62 ahead of him. I would I would be happy to take Curtis Samuel at at that ADP or even a little bit ahead of that and ahead of some of those other guys they have listed in front of them or who are going in drafts in front of them. So um I guess take that as you will, but that that's a, a lot lower than I would have anticipated his ADP. So um, I'm guessing I'm going to flip the script on Curtis Samuel one more time and say, I will draft him this year. If he's sitting out there in the last round, uh, let's, let's make our way past the commanders onto the next team, which is your New York football giants. They finished the season nine, seven and one, which is a massive improvement over their four and 13 record in 2021. Uh, I think most of that can be attributed to their new head coach and Brian Dayball. He comes in, or comes back again this year with Mike Kafka ready to uh, improve, hopefully once more, see the team finish even better. Uh, thankfully, they were able to come to terms with Saquon Barkley. If they didn't, uh, I would be I'd be singing a different tune, I guess we'll put it that way. Last year, he had 295 rush attempts for 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns, while also adding uh, 57 catches on 76 targets, 338 yards in the air, and didn't actually manage to score a receiving touchdown, which is kind of odd, but um, I think he was right, right? When when he was in his negotiation saying, do you want to see what I'll do? I'll sit out and you'll really miss me. He's not wrong. They will miss him. That's almost 300 rushing attempts and 76 targets. So that's like 370 plays that he's involved in on a team that had 866 offensive touches. Good for eighth in the league there. So almost half of those Saquon Barkley touches the ball. You know, if you're going to try to haggle with a guy, you should make sure he's not half of your offense before you do so. Um, but I digress. Saquon Barkley, known great running back, should be drafted highly, will play this whole year as long as he's healthy. I know that's a, that's a big uh, as long as, but I expect him to contribute every time he's on the field. Daniel Jones, however. Had his breakout season last year for certain 317 completions on 472 attempts. That's good for 67 plus percent uh, completion percentage, 3,200 yards, 15 touchdowns, and only five interceptions, while also adding 120 rushes for 708 yards and seven touchdowns on the ground. That is, and I said it with Jared Goff in the previous one, so I have to say it here for Daniel Jones that's flirting with an elite season. I mean, golf was 29 touchdowns, seven picks. So that's a little bit different gap than 15 and five, but he's flirting with an elite season there. Uh, 67% completion, 3,200 yards, 15 touchdowns. Now, if he can bump those touchdown numbers up, 
we're talking about a complete and utter turnaround for Daniel Jones. I told you I wouldn't call him Danny Dimes until he got over 60% completion percentage. Well, guess what? Danny Dimes is back, baby. Uh, and I'm happy to see it. So Daniel Jones, hopefully this year can turn around with the receivers. I know he was kind of saddled with uh, the the Kenny Galladay's of the world last year. Um, unfortunately, they don't have much more high-end talent coming in to help them. Um, hopefully they'll get more games out of Wandell Robinson, the rookie they drafted this year. He'll be a, or the previous year, he'll be a sophomore this year. They only got six games out of him. Um, they moved Kadarius Tony, so he's not there anymore, but they drafted Jalen Hyatt. Uh, they brought in Paris Campbell. They brought in Jamison Crowder. They brought in Jeff Smith. Now I know these names aren't knocking your socks off, but I think a team filled with Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton, um, Wandell Robinson, Jalen uh, Jalen Hyatt and Paris Campbell is a team that can find success. You also have the now sophomore tight end Daniel Bellinger, and they added Darren Waller, which uh, is a significant, significant addition um, to their to their receiving core. So, going to be very interesting to see what they can pull off this season if they can improve on last season. That's fantastic. If they could even stay the same, and maybe some other teams falter, that might. That might be just as good as improving in, in some regards. Um, but I'm really, really, really hoping that the the Giants can put it together. They've also made some key additions on defense. I don't have a ton of them written down in front of me, but they've bolstered their defense for the first time in a while. And if, if they can actually get some stops on defense for a change, that's something we have not seen out of the Giants for years now. Um, I think you could be looking at a, a much different team than we've grown accustomed to coming out of New York for, I don't know, the last 10 years, it seems. Um, beyond that, I mean, the team is led by Brian Dable. I mentioned that at the top. And you saw what he was able to do with Josh Allen, who was a raw prospect for the longest time. And people were really worried about what he was going to be when he came into the NFL, if he was going to be able to contribute. And you've seen the turnaround with Josh Allen. And if this is, or if this past season is indicative of what he's capable of doing with almost any quarterback, then I'm very excited to see what Danny Jones is going to bring in the 2023 season. Um, I should mention also the backup running back situation in New York is interesting, uh, a little tenuous to say the least, I guess. You have Matt Breida, who, I don't know, everybody wants to call it a breakout year from every single year he's on the field. Gary Brightwell, um, who was a rookie last year, they also brought in – um, James Robinson and they drafted Eric Gray at running back. So behind Saquon Barkley is not a ton of depth. It's not a ton of guys that knock your socks off. It's not a ton of guys that um, I think you would even consider fantasy relevant or even handcuffs for that matter. Like if Saquon goes down, I'm not really comfortable starting Matt Breida in his place or James Robinson or anybody for that matter. Um, you know you're not going to get the same production if Barkley's not there. But that I mean, it's it's so hard to say that, right? Because at the same time, you could have James Robinson come out and show what he showed when um was it ETN went down in, in his rookie year for the Jaguars, and James Robinson became the darling running back uh, of the Jacksonville team. So uh, I mean, do I think he's capable of doing that? Is he capable? Yes. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. So Take that for what you will. Um, I'm going to leave the Giants there. I'm going to move on to the next team because I think uh, I've talked enough about a team that is largely the same as it was a year ago. Um, Dallas Cowboys, next up. Wow, 12-5. and 
Give me one second. I take a sip of water. <sighs> Dallas Cowboys, 12 and five. They were six and 10 in 2021. So a, a market improvement going 12 and five last season. And kind of what we expected to see out of the team on paper. Uh, third in offensive touches, third in points scored, 12th in yards from scrimmage. 18th in passing and eighth in rushing. Now that 18th in passing is largely due in part to the time that Dak missed with an injury. Um, it feels like we're seeing that, that all too often out of Dak, but it kind of just is what it is. Uh, you've got Mike McCarthy again. You've got Brian Schottenheimer though, coming over to take over as the offensive coordinator for Kellen Moore, who's moved over to the chargers. If I remember correctly, um, but Brian Schottenheimer, former Seattle offensive coordinator last year. So he helped Geno Smith put up the year that he put up. I'd call that good news. Uh, Brian Schottenheimer, also son of famous Marty Schottenheimer, the greatest show on turf Rams um, or the best show on turf. Best show? Whatever it was. Um, so it should be interesting. I mean, he loves to throw the ball to the running back out of the backfield, just like his dad did with Marshall Falk for years and years and years. So that's definitely one little wrinkle that might be different. Kellen Moore was a huge fan of the three wide receiver sets. You could see less three wide receiver sets this year, but with the talent that you have on this Cowboy team, I'm not sure I'm ready to make that assertion. You've got CeeDee Lamb. You've also got Brandon Cooks, who comes over this year from Houston. And then you've got Michael Gallup as your quote-unquote third option. Now, CeeDee Lamb is like a lock, right? He had 156 targets last year, 107 catches, uh, and, and quite honestly was one of one of the more dominant receivers in the league, if not, well, he's definitely not the most dominant in the league, but definitely the most dominant on his team, right? And, and to expect that to change in either direction, up or down, I think is asking a lot. I would expect him to finish somewhere in that same 156 target range. Like if he bumps up to Justin Jefferson category or territory at 180 ish targets. Okay, great. But then we're really talking about a difference of 24 targets. This team as a whole has 186 vacated targets and 231 rushing attempts. Most of that is from Zeke Elliott, the rushing attempts. Most of the targets, however, are from Dalton Schultz and Noah Brown. Uh, they didn't bring in anybody other than Brandon Cooks, who I anticipate um, making you know a huge dent in 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 all those numbers, right? So let's say let's do some quick math, right? So we have 186 vacated targets. Let's just say, for sake of argument, Brandon Cooks gets 100 targets. That knocks us down to 86 targets even. If you take 86 targets and then distribute them. Even if we give CD lamb, the Justin Jefferson target share of 180, that's 24 more on his uh, 156 currently. So that's 86 minus 24, which is 62. So that's 62 car uh, targets that need to get reallocated. If it's to Michael Gallup, I love it. I mean, Michael Gallup had 74 targets, even to just take 30 more and get him to a hundred targets. I'm in heaven. And then the remaining 30 can go to whoever they trot out at tight end, whether it's Jake Ferguson or uh, the rookie Luke Schoonmaker, Schoonemacher, um, or, you know, Cavante Turpin sees a couple more catches here and there. Maybe Tony Pollard gets a couple additional looks out of the backfield, but he saw 55 targets last year on 39 catches. Um, it's tough to see these guys 
I don't know, uh, expanding more on their role that, than they already have. You know, they're already big target guys. It's hard to keep seeing them go up. You can't just always say, oh, the targets go to this guy and he goes up and he gets more. At some point, you hit a critical limit where you can't go any higher without it being um, or, or, or with it remaining feasible. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's certainly going to be an interesting year for the Cowboys. I think um, they probably finish right around here i don't know that they're going to overtake the eagles i think every year it looks like they could on paper and then it just never really works out that way for one reason or another that being said they went 12 and 5 with cooper rush playing numerous games last year so if Dak gives you a full season full healthy season he's on the field for every game i think you can steal a couple more games and if you steal a couple over the eagles that might flip floppy for positioning in the division and maybe the cowboys do end up on top i mean you saw their defense last year it looks a uh, very very elite micah parsons is as advertised i mean he plays every position and he plays it at a high high level um trayvon diggs is growing uh i think he's gonna benefit from some of the guys they brought in i believe they brought in Stefan Gilmore, if I'm not mistaken. Let me double check that. Um, I remember they brought somebody in. And da, 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 da. yeah, correct. Stefan Gilmore. And I remember saying when we were on the podcast with with Derek, the time he was on with us, like he could be the perfect guy to groom Trayvon Diggs into the next tier of cornerback, right? Like Trayvon Diggs is a chance taker. He's aggressive. He's physical. He bodies up people at the line. He makes a lot of plays happen, but he also kind of gets caught because of the aggressiveness that he plays with. If Gilmore can help him harness that aggressiveness into just being a lockdown corner, there's a real world where teams that play Dallas don't know where to throw the ball at any point. And then they're forced to run it into the strength of the, the Cowboy defense with Micah Parsons, Leighton Vander Esch, um, Demarcus Lawrence and the big boys up front, the, the nose tackles and, and, and various other guys that they sub in and out constantly. Like it's, it's problematic when you play the Cowboys defense, when they're, when they're firing on all cylinders. So, um, I think that says it all about them. I mean, we can talk a little bit about Tony Pollard, uh, with the departure of Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, he, he, the big story last year was that he only wants to take about 20 carries a game any more than that. And he says he openly admits he gets fatigued. Now, can you work on his conditioning and maybe he doesn't get fatigued anymore after 20 touches? That'd be great. Considering you're an NFL conditioned athlete, I expect a little bit more out of you. But if he doesn't, the question then becomes who comes in the role behind him. Is it right now it's Rico Dowdle on the depth chart. I don't think it's going to be him when the season starts. Is it Malik Davis? I don't know. They had Malik Davis last year. They barely used them. You know, 38 rush attempts, seven targets. That's not huge, but now that there's a big gap, maybe he helps fill it. Um, maybe it's uh, – they did sign Ronald Jones, but he promptly got suspended, so it won't be him at least for a couple weeks. Uh, maybe it's somebody they bring in, and then there are still the rumors that Ezekiel Elliott ends up back in Dallas. So um, it, it's tough to say what you can expect from these players until we know what the team actually looks like, uh, and we won't know that until we get a little bit closer to the season, I think. So um, – I'm not sure. I, I wish I could tell you more. I don't have an inside track to the Dallas Cowboys uh, GM and I can't get inside Jerry Jones's mind, which is probably for the best if we're being honest. Um, I guess we just, it remains to be seen. The more interesting part with Dallas anyways, is, is the passing attack and how these wide receivers are going to end up allocating 
all of these targets that need to get spread around. Right. Um, I think Tom a couple of years ago said this could be uh, one of the years that Dallas has 3000 yard receivers. And it was, was it CD Amari Cooper and Gallup? Was it that year? Um, I don't want to go so far and say that it could happen again, but it's right in the same vein, right? Like CD Brandon cooks and Gallup could all easily go for a thousand yards. And I wouldn't be that surprised now, more likely Gallup ends at like seven, eight, maybe 850 yards, couple touchdowns Brandon cooks goes for like 950 and then CD goes for like 1300. Like that's probably uh, the more, the more likely outcome, but we'll see uh, time will tell, right? They got to, they do have to play Philly twice. So that hurts them for a couple games, but um, let's move on to Philly, I guess. So Philadelphia Eagles, they go to the Super Bowl last year. They couldn't pull it out, but they made it there. That's a huge step for Nick Sirianni. He's got to be happy. He's only, a, uh, this year will be his third year as head coach. Um, the, that's a quick turnaround to make it to the Super Bowl for any coach. So props to him. Brian Johnson, this will be his uh, his second year as offensive coordinator, I believe, for the team. No, that's not true because Shane Steichen was the offensive coordinator. So Brian Johnson gets promoted from quarterback coach, and this will be his first year as the offensive coordinator of the Eagles. Really, all he has to do is take an offense that is not broke and don't fix it. <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? This is a team that went 14-3, and three, number one in offensive touches, number two in points scored, number two in yards from scrimmage, number eight in passing yards, number five in rushing yards. If you can do exactly what you did last year, your team's sitting pretty. Oh, and guess what? On defense, you're eighth in points allowed, third in yards allowed, first in passing yards allowed, and 16th in rushing yards allowed. That's a recipe for success if you can just continue to repeat it. Now, the problem with these championship teams is that people often leave them. Um, they managed to keep most of the crew together. They're really only losing Miles Sanders and Zach Pascal, which in the grand scheme of things are not monumental losses. Um, and you've also managed to nearly immediately replace Miles Sanders with DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny, whether that's one replacing one for one or you know replacing a guy by committee, whatever you have to do. I think it's the right move for the Eagles. They've, they've made the right calls. Adding a guy like Swift should certainly help them. They consistently have one of the top-ranked offensive lines in the league. Uh, Rashad Penny is probably the better between the tackles guy than than him and Swift, or between him and Swift, and Swift is probably the better outside the tackle guy or pass catching back or however you want to use him. Um, he's definitely a little bit more dynamic, while Rashad Penny is kind of just the give-me-the-ball-let-me-run-straight type. All that being said, you still have the likes of Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell and Trey Sermon, for what it's worth, all there. And all of the news coming out of Philadelphia is that they like all of their running backs and they intend to use all of them and keep them all on the roster. Nobody appears to be a cut candidate as of now, which is great if you're an NFL team. You love it if you're an Eagles fan. You love the way your team's set up. You know you have a ton of depth at running back. If you're a fantasy football player, you absolutely hate it because you know that five miles to feed at running back is a lot of miles to feed. Uh, everybody's gonna have their weeks where they're the guy. And then the other four people sit on the bench and do nothing. Um, and you're probably not going to guess right each week, which means your fantasy team is going to suffer. It, it makes buying into a backfield like this difficult. And then you add in the fact that you have a mobile quarterback like Jalen hurts who, who personally uh, vultures touchdowns at, at such a high rate that, I mean, it, it's impossible to pick 
who's going to be the guy that actually scores the touchdown, even when you're down on the goal line, you know, does Jalen Hurts sneak one in or does he shovel pass it to Kenneth Gainwell? Does Kenneth Gainwell run one up the middle or does he shovel pass it to Boston Scott? Um, you know what? You're all wrong. It's a slant route to AJ Brown. Oh, right. Speaking of AJ Brown, he had an absolutely monster year, 145 targets, 88 catches for just an absolute. Yeah. 1,496 yards. So, 1,496 yards. And meanwhile, Devontae Smith, right right alongside him, had 136 targets, 95 catches um, for 1,196 yards. So we're talking about 1,500 and 1,200 yards for two receivers. Just absolute ludicrous numbers and 11 touchdowns and seven touchdowns for Brown and Smith, respectively. Now, those guys are still there. So anybody else that comes in is going to have to dethrone them to see anything. Uh, the one guy who they brought in wide receiver is Alamedy Zacchaeus. I don't expect him to to push for really any share of, of that passing attack. Uh, Quez Watkins is still there. He had 50 targets last year. He's an interesting prospect. He's really their, their third receiver. He's got blazing speed. He catches the occasional long ball for, for a big touchdown, but he's not somebody that I would rely on unless you're in some of just the absolute deepest formats. Um, out there i mean if you're in a dynasty league he's definitely worth rostering uh if you have if you have the bench space for him but in redraft i don't think that you would have much value in rostering a guy like like Watkins. but Devontae smith aj brown um jalen hurts obviously um rashad penny uh, deandre swift like this is a team that is loaded with guys that you should be rostering uh there's really no other oh and i should also mention dallas goddard who's one of the league's better tight ends right uh three touchdowns last year 55 catches and 700 yards that's that's a fantastic line for a tight end who only played 12 games as well so um the eagles remain one of the probably premier teams to farm your uh to farm your redraft team from or even your dynasty team for that matter it's almost like every position has somebody that you should be starting in your starting lineup week after week. Uh, it might take a little bit of time to figure out who's going to be the top dog between Swift and Rashad Penny. Uh, it might take a few weeks for you to even say it's too hard to decide between these guys, but they're people who will be drafted. It's almost a foregone conclusion. If you see DeAndre Swift kicking around in the eighth, ninth, 10th round, you kind of have to take him, even if you don't have a ton of faith that he's going to be the guy week in and week out. Uh, because even in a bad week, he's a flex play for you. He, he he probably has a floor of like about eight points with a team or on a team like Philly. Uh, Rashad Penny, probably the same story. Uh, ceiling for Swift is is massively high. He'll be the guy that gives you 40 points one week and then disappears for the next. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to say enough great things about Philadelphia when they're just consistently – effective starts for all fantasy formats. Right. So um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to harp on it much more. They, they, I guess I could mention one other guy they did. They lost Gardner Minshew, their backup quarterback. And then they signed Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota probably will have some value this year. Um, not as a starting quarterback, not even as a flex play really, but as far as an NFL team goes, he will probably get some goal line package looks while they attempt to save Jalen hurts from himself and don't make him run the ball up the middle and uh, get absolutely annihilated by 350, 400 pound linemen. Um, you know, as he tries to scramble in for a touchdown, let Marcus Mariota do it. He's got the technique. He's got the style. He's got the uh, exact ability to do that. He's got the, 
the athletic tools to make it happen. And he's got the the body that you don't care about as much as you do Jalen Hurts. So um, he's an interesting little wrinkle. I don't think he's even – you would never handcuff your quarterback for, for that purpose. But um, he's a guy to keep an eye on, especially if Jalen Hurts does pick up any knock. It would be interesting to see how fast and what uh, what fab amount um, Marcus Mariota goes for in your league. Uh, that pretty much does it though. That's going to wrap up our NFC East preview. Um, I guess I usually give you my rankings for how I think the season's going to end. So I'll give you that right now. I think the Eagles finish again at the top of the division with the Cowboys chasing very closely behind. They'll probably be, probably end up being your wild card um, or one of your wild card picks. Then you'll have the giants right behind them. It actually wouldn't even be too surprising to see uh, all three of these guys make playoffs in the same year. And then you'll have the commanders probably bringing up the rear again. I do hope they're better. I think they might, they have, they have the shot to be better with the enemy. I think he's going to uh, balance out what riverboat Ron does a lot better than, than other OCs have in the past. But I think that the, the order the teams finish this year will be the order they finish again. Uh, and now this is all barring injuries. Like, you know, I can't predict that like, you know, Dak Prescott gets hurt and then the Giants overtake them because Cooper Rush doesn't play so well or blah, blah, blah. This is just fully healthy teams. I think we see another year of of things ending in the same exact order. Um, yeah, well, if you listened all this way, I appreciate it. Uh, go ahead and hop on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Top Shelf FNTSY. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you disagree. Let me know where you think these guys are going to finish. Um, and I think I mentioned on the previous podcast, I'll mention it again. You will see our player picks from me, Scotty, Tom and Craig coming out shortly. All of our sleepers, busts, breakouts, um, everything, everything that we do every single year for you guys. That'll be out this week. We're doing the write-ups as we speak. Uh, we want to have well, this week. It'll be out by next week, I should say, because uh, today is Friday. You'll probably hear this Saturday. So go ahead, take a listen. Let me know what you think. Let me know or let all of us know on, on our on our social media platforms how you like the solo podcast. Uh, we'll do more of them in the future. If you like it quick, easy, and just one voice talking the whole time, we're happy to do it in this format. If you hate it, let us know that too. We won't do it anymore. Uh, we just want to do what you guys like. So as always, thank you, Shelfies. Stay fluid. Stay loose. <laughs>